Hello, hello, wonderful iPodcasters, and welcome back to another episode of iPodcast. If you're new here, it's a pleasure to have you here with us. We are live, recording from the Silicon Valley, arguably heart of all things technological. Each week in our series, we talk about a different hot topic in the digital world. Today, however, is a very special week. We decided to shake things up a bit. We wanted to do a kind of ethnographic research and include a few interviews. Our question of interest asks, how can we develop ethical and sustainable consumption practices, and what is at stake if we do not? Today, I welcome a few experts that will dive into what digital consumption really means for the entire world. Starting with the idea of ethical and sustainable production, I have here with us Rosanna, who is going to discuss the topic in depth. Hello, thanks for having me today. I will answer your question in two parts, explaining first what sustainable consumption and production means. I will shortly call it SCP. According to the United Nations Environment Program, being sustainable incorporates a consideration of how people in the future want to live whilst our standards are maintained and further developed. Therefore, companies need to achieve better in quality of life by decreasing the use of natural resources and toxic materials whilst producing consumer choices and creating customer services with the goal to not threaten future generations. So, what is the difference in ethical production? Whilst we associate sustainable in environmental, social and economic terms, being ethical is associated with human rights and the morals of manufacturing. So we look at the employees, their working conditions and morally well-justified production processes. Crucially to mention, not solely the human is considered, but also animal treatment in laboratory trials are approached. And what kind of things can be done to systematically achieve this? Great question. Again, I will base my answer on the United Nations main objectives, which sound utopic, however, will lead to a good life of future generations. First, we have to stop destroying nature in order to grow economically. We need a minimalistic approach which entails doing more and better with less. This can only happen through the reduce of pollution, exploiting natural resources along the whole cycle. Second, according to the UN Environment Programme, SCP contributes to poverty reduction and to the achievement of the UN Millennium Development Goals. For the Global South, SCP offers opportunities such as the advent of new markets, green and decent jobs, as well as more efficient welfare-generating natural resource management. Third, last but not least, what the individual can do personally is to slow down consumerism, which is based on the example of, for example, working conditions are better if the worker has a week to pack your delivery than if you would want it within a day. Wow, that is very informative. Thank you. Of course. Thanks for having me again. Now, let's move on to analysis of our current practices in the production and consumption of technology. I welcome another expert specializing in economics to discuss this. Hilda? Hi there. Thank you for having me. 
So, there are multiple things to be said about the way technology is approached nowadays. Let me start by explaining the current system of where and how production takes place. We've divided the world into several sectors. There are peripheral countries, semi-peripheral countries and core countries. The peripheral countries are where most production takes place. Companies from core countries have moved their factories to peripheral countries, simply because it's cheaper. It is cheaper to buy land there and the costs of labor are way lower than in core countries. And while this industrialization happening in the peripheral countries gives job opportunities, the products being made are shipped right back to the core countries, where most consumption takes place. Right. So, geographically speaking, where are these different sectors located? Roughly, we can say that the Global South consists of mostly peripheral and semi-peripheral countries, and the Global North consists of mostly core countries. You can imagine that this negatively affects the unequal relations between the Global North and South, since the core countries hold power over the peripheral ones. In this way, the division of production and consumption has social consequences. Interesting. And besides social consequences, do our current practices affect other dimensions of society? Definitely. The problem is that this process of industrialization happening in the global south, because of the consumer demands in the global north, has a huge impact on the environment. This is unfair to the people living near the factories, because they suffer disproportionately from pollution and other environmental damage, and from the hard work it is to work in the factories. Next to that, the society we live in today has become so dependent on technology that the amount of production needed to satisfy this demand has led to so much industrializing that it has accelerated global warming. Right. Thank you for your time, and I hope to see you on iPodcast soon. Up next, we have dear friend and environmentalist Ava here with us to explain the bigger implications. Ava, would you like to tell us a little bit more? As already mentioned, the consumer demand of the West, or the core countries, as they are called by expert Hilda, forces industrialization upon the global South. To illustrate the short-term as well as long-term effects of this increase in technology use and consumption on the peripheral countries, I will uh, draw on two examples. Okay, I think this is an important perspective to discuss. Could you elaborate a bit more about these examples? Do they indicate what is at stake if we don't change our ways? Exactly. They are a way of specifically showing how technology and consumption negatively affect some specific countries and populations. Um, the first example is a bit more general concerning the digital divide created between uh, several African countries, whereas the second example draws on a concrete case in China, which really displays some of the local, more personal level effects of technologization. Well, Ava, please elaborate. Coincidentally, I was just about to. Uh, the first example's main argument is on how African countries differ between peripheral and semi-peripheral um, and how this distinction determines the country's accessibility to digital technology. This creates a divide between digital development and thus generates inequality in society amongst different populations. Uh, and then the other example analyzes the phenomenon of eye slavery in China. Interesting. And for the second example on eye slavery, what does that entail? So the main thing to take away from this specific case is how the industrialization and its accompanying imposition of technology places factory workers in terrible circumstances and negative influences 
on their daily and personal lives, resulting in several serious incidents such as suicide. This incorporates the notion of industrialization because of the West's overconsumption and factory settling in the global south, as well as the influence of imposing technology because of the core country's positive perception and assumption of technology. Yes, all really interesting to see how a local phenomenon indicates the bigger scale problems we face. Thank you, Ava. Now, to conclude, we have expert Max van der Boek all the way here from the Netherlands to conclude our program. In the ending notes of this podcast, I would like to share a few words on the future of sustainability, in particular how innovative technologies and ideologies can guide us to a sustainable, healthy environment the future generations can harmoniously live in. Industrialization and outsourcing of Western high-tech industries to less developed countries in Africa and Southeast Asia have not solved any of the emission problems. They only relocated these problems. With rising populations, depleting natural resources and higher technological demand, the need for a sustainable solution for our future is in many ways desired. Dampening overconsumption of the developed Western countries and thereby reversing the upward trends of emissions is one of the wicked problems of our generation. Introducing new sustainable measures is only possible in small steps, which will evidently have large impacts to our environment. For instance, by means of introducing the concept of a circular economy, the pressure of production could by implementation be significantly reduced. Simultaneously, when circular economies are adopted, less fossilized resources have to be used, reducing not only carbon emissions of production, but also the emissions of transportation. However, as already mentioned, changing from unsustainable singular-use ideologies to sustainable reuse or circular economies is challenging. Well, looky here at the time. Unfortunately, our segment has come to an end. We bid farewell, but hope you return next week for more content. Till then, goodbye, iPodcasters.